Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 11, 17-34 today, and I've made the title, No Fighting at the Dinner Table. But really the communion table, no fighting at the table. And I was thinking about Christmas, what do parents, especially moms, really want on Christmas at that Christmas dinner? No fighting, right? You know, Kim always says, I just want to have a peaceful dinner. Just once. Guys, don't get me a present. I just want peace. I just want peace. No fighting. And a lot of you know what I'm talking about. We just hope they have that peaceful, no fight to erupt at, at, the, at the Christmas dinner table, right? And really it's the same for the communion table, which we're going to see here today. That's the whole point of communion is trying to deal with that, not, not have those fights at the communion table, deal with what needs to be dealt with. And it reminded me, too, before I was involved with a lot of, some of you planning this church 17 years ago, before we planted New Hope Community Church, I had a ministry, a lot of you don't know this, I had a ministry called Stand in the Gap Ministries, and I would travel around to different churches, for about four years I did this, traveled around different churches, did like revival, renewal, evangelism, did that kind of a thing. And churches, I would also do church retreats, and there was one church in particular, about 20 years ago, I remember it very well, they asked me to, to minister to their leadership team. They said, would you come and, and run a retreat for our leadership team because there's some things we want to work on spiritually. And I did it. And while at the retreat, a lot of dangerous cracks were exposed on this retreat. There were divisions within the leadership team, and, and by extension, they were throughout the whole church. And I challenged the men. I said, guys... If you don't deal with these strongholds, they're going to haunt your church. They're going to kill your church. The Holy Spirit will be quenched. The church's effectiveness will be neutralized. The church was, this church was growing. It was on fire. It was doing super. But the cracks were there. And the leadership was convicted. On this retreat, I'll never forget, they were very convicted. And they started getting up one by one and, and confessing the wrong attitudes and the divisiveness and different things that had to be confessed to each other. It was really a beautiful thing. They confessed to each other uh, and asked for forgiveness for a lot of different things that were going on in their hearts. Uh, It was very moving, but after that time, I said to the whole team there, I said, this is just the start. It's great you guys did this, but now you've got to take it back to the church. You've got to take it back to your wives who share a lot of these things. You've got to take it back to your families. You've got to take it back to the whole church and deal with it, this stuff and bring healing. I really challenged them on that. It didn't happen. It, they, the church went into a nosedive. 20 years later, it's a, a shell of its former self. It's known for its constant fighting and divisions. That's what it's known for. And there's many people wounded and damaged because of the ministry of this church. It lost its gospel and community impact. And this is just one church. I could tell you a lot. There's, I, could think of, I did a lot of retreats and tried to deal with a lot of different churches in the nosedive. And sometimes they pulled out and most of the time they didn't. It's better not to go into the nosedive. <laughs> Once, you know what I mean? When you're in that plane, it's hard to pull it out. It's a lot better to deal with it before, before that. And, and I say it because what, what happened to this church can happen to any church. 
including our church here, New Hope Community Church. And that's why communion is vital. It's a regular cleansing time that God has given us to, given to the church to, to get things right and to keep things right and to keep, keep things clean so that we don't lose our ministry and our focus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for this Christmas communion and, and how beautiful it is in here, but, but what it represents to us that you gave your son Jesus to die for us. And as we remember that, his giving his life today during communion, just pray that your word now would speak to us and really prepare our hearts. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 1 Corinthians 11, I'll just read the passage first of all, starting with verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. So I'm just going to stop with that spot right there for now and start off with the, talking about the divisions part. There were divisions in the Corinth Community Church, <laughs> which Paul planted. Paul planted this church and pastored it for some time. And there were divisions in his church plant, which now he's writing them a letter to try to get things going. In fact, the fighting had gotten so bad they were even fighting during communion. Talk about a food fight, right? A spiritual food fight is what they were doing. They were even fighting during communion. And if anybody here has ever been part of a church plant, a split, I mean a split, and I think most of us probably have, unfortunately, you know how ugly it can get. And it just gets, it's so painful, right? And the result is they were doing more harm than good, Paul says. You're doing more harm than good. That's what happened when churches fight and split. It hurts the name of Christ. It does more harm than good, right? Um, NHCC has been blessed with a, a tremendous unity, a spirit of unity. It's probably because when we started the church, for those who are here, anybody still here from then, you remember all, all that we went through, all the attacks from outside, and all the attacks outside helped us deal with that, right? We got hit we had policemen here, we had protesters, we were in the news. It was crazy all the time. And so because of that, I think it helped us with, with unity. Um, but here we are, 17 years later, and I'm getting a little nervous. I'm getting a little bit nervous. We're seeing a time of growth, we're seeing a time of fruit. And whenever you see growth and fruit, there's growing pains. It comes naturally, right? But this is also a time when Satan attacks. Because he doesn't like fruit and growth, right? And, and you know what I'm talking about. And so I'm kind of giving my every other year talk here about like protecting the body of Christ. That's what I'm really, really doing. Because it's very, very important we stay on our guard. In fact, in Hebrews 12, in Hebrews 12, 5, uh, 15, Hebrews 12, 15, it says, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 15, where he says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. 
It's a warning that we have to make sure we all get upset, but it doesn't become a bitter root that, that, causes, that causes church damage to the church, the body of Christ. Very important. So I'm getting a little nervous, and I'm also getting a little tired of, of the fighting. It kind of reminds me, because we, we're in a little bit of a conflict stage, and it kind of reminds me of my car ride home from the farm recently. I had six of the kids in the car, and it's a seven-hour ride, and the first six hours were a lot of fun. But the last hour, and if you know what I'm talking about, you've ever been in a long car ride with the kids, the last hour was traumatic. They didn't matter what I said, didn't matter what video I put in, didn't matter what food I offered them, doesn't matter what bribe, didn't matter what threat, I tried it all, didn't matter, they kept fighting. And I, and I staggered out of the car at the end, and Kim's like, you look tired. I'm like, yeah, I'm tired, you know. So uh, it was traumatic. And I, I feel like we're kind of, we've had that 17 years good, but we're kind of hitting that last, you know, uh, the next year is a little bit of that last hour, kind of connect to that last hour. Um, we, the last few months have been a little bit draining, I, I feel like, and it's at a bad time for me because I don't have a lot of emotional energy, uh, as you can imagine. Hebrews 13.7 says this. Hebrews 13.7 is a great verse. Verse 17, I'm sorry, uh, did I say 7? Uh, obey your leaders Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. And... And that's, that, this church has really been a joy. It's unbelievable. When I tell other pastors about our church, they're like shocked because they're used to constant conflict every year after year and fights and battles. And, and I say, geez, our church has been really great. It's been a joy. That, this church has really been a joy. But we've got to guard ourselves because we can easily shift. And I feel like we have been sliding toward that, that last hour of the, the road trip lately. Um, I'm not asking you not to have conflict. Because we're all human, and we're going to have conflict. All right? I'm not, it's part of life. It's like a family. We're like a big family, right? There's going to be conflict. It's like a marriage. There's going to be conflict. Uh, after 17 years, just like you've been married 17 years, you know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of stuff kind of built up, right? Cycles. And it, it's just natural. Same with our family. It's, it's just built up. I'm not asking that. I am asking you, though, to resolve the conflict spiritually. Colossians 3.12 is a great verse. This little passage here is one of my favorites. In Colossians 3.12-14, um, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's good advice for every relationship, isn't it? This is one of my favorites for, for when I do weddings. I like to do this passage because it's such a great one for marriage. Uh, whether, it's, whether it's work, whether it's your team, whether it's... For all relationships, bear with and forgive and love. Really, that's what it comes down to, bearing with. You put up with it. You, know, you may not like the person, but you've got to love them. <laughs> we bear with them. We, we forgive and we, and we love them, even when we don't like them. It doesn't say we have to like the person, but we still have to love them. We have to treat them with love. Because you know what? Someday, 
No matter if there's another Christian there and you don't like him very much, guess what? You're going to be with him forever someday. You're going to be stuck with him. And I have a feeling when you get to that, that, that dinner table in heaven, you know, the great banquet, you might be sitting right next to him. In fact, I saw a picture of that on um, Thanksgiving because Paul and Grandma seated us all and they just surprised us. We didn't know where we were going to be seating. And so I came to sit down and I sat down and, and then two seats over and we sat down. But right between us was Megan. And, and Megan came up and said, what's my name doing here? I have to sit between Dad and Emily because we're two of her, two of her, we're the most like her. Let me just put it that way. And, and I said... That's why she can't stand us. We're the most like you, Megan. And, uh, and, and, and I was kidding. I said, God knows where we all need to sit. But, but isn't that true? God, God you know, we, we, we uh, you just don't know who you'll be sitting next to in heaven. So you've got to learn to love, forgive, and bear with, and love them here. And the secret is this. Whether it's someone you really like or not like, and someone you really love and don't love, the secret is to focus on the positives in them. We have a choice every day. I can focus on this person's negatives or I can focus on their positives. That goes for our marriage. That goes for our parents or our kids. That goes for our church. That goes for work. That goes for your sport team that you're on, the coach, the teammates, your teachers, your classmates. We can either focus on their positives or their negatives. And whatever we focus on is where we're going to end up that day with them, right? Isn't that pretty much true? So we have these divisions going on. So Paul gives them a teaching on communion to heal the problem. Let's go to verse 23. Back to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, where it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Uh, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body and the blood of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not be result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. <laughs> Did he ever? Second uh, Corinthians. But I went to the doctor this week for my yearly physical. And every year I go for that physical. Most We're supposed to go every year, right? And my blood tests were all good. Everything was good. And they said, because your blood tests are good and you're doing so well, there's no need. You don't have to go on any new medications and you don't have to do any more tests. No more invasive tests. Which was great. I was very happy about that. Those who are over 50 know what I'm talking about. So, I was, thank you, God. There is a God. I would say, thank you, God. I really did. Uh, 
Merry Christmas. That was my Christmas present. So, but that physical is what communion is all about. It's a, communion is a, a regular spiritual physical that we take. It's the check. It's the time to check up and see if there's something that has to be dealt with, something that has to be, you know, invasively dealt with. You know, that's that deal with the problems early, right? And the the, the I want to just read verse 27 here again because it talks about this whole process of the, the the spiritual physical here. He says, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. And he talks about, first of all, verses 27 and 28, where he says, not taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. He says to examine yourself. And he's obviously connecting it back to the divisions earlier. So that's one issue is if there's divisiveness, there's unforgiveness in our hearts, if there's bitterness in some way. We have to examine ourselves and, and, and seek healing for that, those divisions. If there's someone we have to forgive, if there's someone we have to make right, maybe they're not, maybe it's right here, we could just go right to them during the communion time and make something right, or commit to making it right. Or it's just forgiving them, you know, whatever, however the Holy Spirit leads us. Or if there's, there's sin that's unconfessed, that's all part of this. If there's sin that's unconfessed in our life, and, it, and if, there, if there is, we need to go make it right. But if there's some sin in our life that's unconfessed, we need to go to God and make it right. See, this communion is to make things right with the body of Christ, but it's also to make things right with God. Before we can commune with God, not just for communion service, but daily basis. If, just like if you do something wrong to your spouse, that breaks the communion, right? There's like a little wall there that you've got to say sorry and make things right to get, it, to get back to that, that closeness, the close communion. The same thing with God. If we, if we sin, if we go against his word and his will for our life, his purpose for our life, in some way going against his, going, doing something that is against his word, that's a sin. And that puts a, a, a spiritual wall between us. We're still a child of God, but it breaks the fellowship with him. And that's what communion is. It's a time to clean that out and to make things right, to confess that. And, and, and to break a stronghold if need be. It's not just confessing it, but if it's so strong that we just keep on falling to it, we have to commit to, we can't do it this, right here, but we have to commit to dealing with that. I'm going to talk to a Christian counselor. I'm going to talk to the pastor. I'm going to talk to another Christian brother or sister. I'm going to talk to someone and break the stronghold. Very, very important. That's what communion is all about. To deal with it. We're, we're committing to dealing with that. So we can't take it in an unworthy manner. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but we have to be willing. Say, God, whatever it takes, I'm going to make this right with this person. Whatever it takes, I'm going to make this right with you. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do that. But he also says it's important that we, verse 29, we must recognize the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We can only recognize the body and blood of Jesus Christ as if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Only a Christian can recognize the body and blood of Christ. To a non-Christian, it doesn't mean anything. But once you put your faith in Christ, the moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he died in my place as a substitute for me. I believe he was born on Christmas so that he could someday die on the cross for me. 
And, and I put my faith in what he did. I repent of my sin. I put my faith in Jesus to, to, that I can be forgiven for that sin. And I give my life to him. The moment you do that, the Holy Spirit comes inside. And you become a brand new person. And now you have spiritual vision. And you can recognize the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It means something. But before we come to Christ, do you remember what it was like? It didn't mean anything to us, right? It didn't mean anything. We didn't... Just Jesus died on the cross, just, you know, there's a cross. Big deal. But now we can recognize it and mean something to us. And then also, so an unworthy way, we, have to, we can't take it an unworthy way. We talked about it with a sin or division. We have to recognize the body of Christ, but also verses 30 to 32, as you saw, it, there's also very serious discipline. And if we don't respond to the discipline, it's judgment, even death. Very serious. Now, does that mean, oh, it's scary to come to communion because, you know, if you got sin in my life? Well, no, it's the same thing whether you come to communion or not. If there's sin in your life, if there's sin in our life, whether we come to communion or not, God's still going to discipline us. And if we hang on to that sin, whether we come to communion or not, we're going to be judged. But the whole point is to come and to make it right, to confess and, and to let God work in our life. Are we ready for communion? Are we ready to commune, not just this morning, but every day, are we ready to commune with our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ? Verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In remembrance, we take the Lord's Supper in remembrance. And as a witness, it's a witness for Jesus Christ. What is blocking our communion? Not just here this morning, but what's blocking our communion with God? Maybe there's a sin that we need to confess. And maybe it's even beyond confession. Maybe it's so strong that we need to really deal with it. We have to commit to really breaking that stronghold with another Christian's help. We have to commit to that. Maybe it's divisions in the body. Maybe it's divisions in the body of Christ. We need to forgive somebody. We need to bear with somebody. We need to... To love somebody. Even if, even if it's another Christian and past churches. I talk about this all the time. Past church, maybe, or a past relationship. Maybe it doesn't mean we're still in that relationship. We aren't, you know, with that person anymore. Or, or we're not in the same school anymore. Or we're not in the same church anymore. But there still has to be a forgiveness. And maybe even a, a making right in some way. Um, maybe we've, we've wronged somebody and we need to go make it right with someone. But maybe they're not here, but we have to commit to it. Say, God, I'm going to forgive this person or I'm going to ask this person to forgive me. I'm going to do whatever needs to be done to, to resolve this spiritually. That has to be that commitment before, before we take it. Are you able to take communion today? Are you a Christian are, we, are you able to commune with God through His Son, Jesus Christ? There's only one way to connect to God, to commune with God. There's only one way, through His Son, Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way to get to God the Father, and that's through his Son, Jesus Christ. And as we come to this Christmas communion, it's a very special time. Because we know Christmas is when Jesus was born. But why was he born? To die for us. So that we could have life. He came to die so that we could have life. Life here on this earth. A whole new life. And a life eternally with God someday. That's why he came. John 3.16. The great lead into communion and Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Can you connect with God through Jesus? As we go to this time of communion, what it is, we've already talked about it, 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 the the bread represents the body and, and the cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ that he gave for us on the cross. How we take it, we just we just open up the table here, just make your way up here. And and take it back to your seat and and just as you feel led you can just take the lord's supper you can take it with someone else your family or someone else friend or you can just take it by yourself it's between you and god there's only two reasons why you shouldn't take communion first is if there's something in our life that we won't confess and and repent of and give it up not saying sin because no we wouldn't even need to bother with communion would we but it's it's the willingness to say god please forgive me I'll make this right. I'll do whatever I have to do to keep my intimacy with you, God, my communion with you. The second is if we're not ready to put our faith in Jesus yet. If we say, God, I'm I just not ready for that. And it's okay. No, we don't videotape and keep track. If you're not ready for communion, it's okay. But I hope everybody here does take it. I hope because anybody could take it if you would put your faith in Jesus and surrender whatever has to be surrendered Every one of us can commune with God. We can connect with him. And I want to say this too. We have a prayer team that uh, will be up in the front corners here. Uh, Our prayer team is offered to start being up here every Sunday. So if anybody needs something they want to pray about, they'll just kind of be up sitting in the two different corners here. If you need something to, to pray about before we take communion or after communion, you want to pray and talk to somebody Anytime, every, every week, there'll be someone here to, to pray with. They've offered that and they want to just let you know they'll always be up here, okay? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to Him. You haven't been able to commune with God. I mean, you talk talk to Him, but you know you're not connected because without Jesus, there is no connection. Without faith in Christ, there's no true connection. You can make that connection right now. Right where you are, this very moment, you can make that connection by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life.
It's a prayer of faith. It's a simple prayer. God, forgive me for everything I've wrong, anything that I've done in my life that goes against your word and your will for my life. Please forgive me. I repent of that sin. I don't want that old life anymore. Forgive me because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for me. I believe he came back alive from the dead for me. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, then something amazing has happened inside of you. You will never forget this Christmas and this Christmas communion because you have just been made a new person, a new creation in Christ with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And you're going to see spiritual things that you've never seen before. You're going to see Jesus in a whole new way. His body and blood is going to mean something unimaginable to you now. I want to encourage you to Take communion today, but also to let somebody know you've put your faith in Christ. Maybe you have a family member or a friend here. Maybe you tell me on the way out or you fill out the card, put it in the box or text or email. Let somebody know. Let me know so that we can encourage you and be excited for you. For the rest of us, as we prepare for communion, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Has somebody hurt us and we need to forgive them? Is somebody making us crazy and we need to bear with them? Is there someone that we need to love with the love of Christ? Maybe we've hurt somebody and we need to commit to making that right somehow. However, the Holy Spirit leads us to do that. Maybe there's a sin in our life that needs to be confessed. Or it's become a stronghold in our life and we need to do more than confess. We need to break that stronghold. We need to Commit to God whatever it takes, whoever I have to talk to, whoever I have to open up to, whatever accountability I need to get, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this by your mercy and grace.
Father, I thank you for this church and the joy that they've been to me. And Lord, we, we, I just pray that you would protect us from being divided. I pray that you would protect our unity. You would protect our love for each other. So that we could keep enjoying this fellowship. So that we could keep on being a witness for you here in this town of New Hope, which needs a gospel witness. Pray that you would, your spirit would move in a powerful way during this communion now. In Jesus' name.